Welcome into Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Thanks so much for listening. Wherever and whenever you're listening, it's probably beer o'clock, and we've got a lot of good stuff coming up for you right here on the podcast starting right now. Welcome back into another edition of Beers on Us. We are into episode 23. Hope you guys had a very good holiday week and uh, enjoyed uh, a little quick hit holiday edition that we did last week. Hopefully I posted correctly. I did it from home. I never, I've never, i never posted anything as a podcast before from home. I saw it pop up. Good. I, I was like, I, I gmailed it to myself because the, the actual attachment's really big. Mm-hmm. So I had to put it on the cloud and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. It worked. Good. Hooray. I don't think I tweeted it or anything. I was just like, I'm on vacation. Yeah. But I posted it. I made sure I put it up at 4 o'clock. Um, you can find us all over the place, podcast-wise, radio.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, 1080thefan.com, and you can find us on so- social media. I'm at Mike Lynch 27 Patrick's at pdiddy085 on Instagram, and uh, we post it and share it there as well. Before we dive into our topic today, which is quality assurance, just wanted to see how your holidays were and what you got planned for New Year's. Nothing crazy, but... Uh, I just had the whole last week and a half off, which is super rare for me. Yeah, I was kind of curious, like, what a what a Mike Lynch staycation is like. I mean, I've known you for years, so right. I've, I've got a pretty good idea. <laughs> but I do know that they can vary from time to time. I know you got your new house, you got your kittens. Yes. So this year is a very different staycation than years before. It was it was a perfect mix of doing absolutely nothing and having really busy days. We, uh, I've you know, for those who don't know me very well, I play a lot of video games, so. Basically, like every other day was just kind of like a game day. Mm-hmm. I'd wake up, I'd go for a run in the morning, and then I'd basically have breakfast and put a game on, play for a little bit, and just kind of switch around. Have an early beer. Usually had like an 11 a.m. beer. I was yes. like, yeah, I'm just getting. Why not? Why not? I'm on. I'm on a staycation. Why shouldn't I have that's beer like before my, I have lunch? That's like my weekend uh, time to jump in the shower. Like I'll watch some EPL, and the game will end at like I don't know 10 30, 11, something like that, and I'll jump in the shower and crack a beer. <laughs> shower beers. I love that shower Great. beer. Um. So I did that, and then we had days where like I had a buddy come over because we bought a computer, and he was helping us do some stuff with it, and met my wife downtown for dinner one night, and then we had our special Christmas movie day that we do every year on Thursday. So it was kind of an alternating, do some do some things, well, some days do nothing, other days. It was perfect. It was a perfect staycation. Mine was pretty chill. I mean, it, it's so funny to like work in between of stuff and... Then the holiday comes and you're like, oh, I'm on vacation. Great. Uh, For two days. And then you go back to work and it's like, oh, right. I'm back at work and I'm in the groove. And then come Monday, it's like, oh, you've got another two days off and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) So that's kind of been weird for me. But my holiday was pretty chill. I don't I'm not the biggest holiday guy uh, in the world. But, uh, you know, seeing friends, I hung out with the fam a lot. Um, I've got stepbrothers. So it's fun to, like, hang out with them, uh, which is a weird. Is it awkward? No, no, it's great. We all get along. We're I mean, you're fairly, not awkward, but we're all fairly similar age, so cool. so we we get along really well. So that was fun. Oh, saw and a we bunch went. Of, oh, go, go, ahead. go for it. I was gonna say, saw a bunch of my friends that that live in Seattle and California, and hung out with them a lot. I drank heavily uh, for many many days in a row. Uh, Christmas night at the Alibi was uh, was a, a, a smashing success. I saw a social media post that said Alibi now or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that was me, and I was like. I saw it like two days later. It popped yeah. up or something, and I was like, oh, he was having one of those <laughs> nights. I see. Um, we also did a one of Kelsey's, uh, my wife's, Kelsey's coworkers invited us for like a Christmas dinner on Saturday, and we were like, oh, cool. It'll be like a party. Mm-hmm. No, it was just like three couples total. 
they we made tamales from scratch. Ooh, yummy! It was really interesting. I love tamales, and I I don't oh, okay. like tamales. Like I've had them before, and I'm like, why is it in a corn husk? It, uh, why do I have to take it out of a corn husk? <laughs> this doesn't make any sense to me. And I don't like corn flat like corn tortillas that 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 much. Right. Dude, these were amazing. I don't yeah. know how if it was because we were just that good at making them, mm-hmm. but uh, it was like a homemade from grandma recipe tamales, and so good. And it was fun to make. Yeah. And we drank a lot of wine. You feel you feel a little little accomplished there. Yeah. I mean, we worked for that dinner. We ate that dinner at like 10 p.m. It was a lot of work. <laughs> that was fun. And this 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 holiday is one that just keeps giving for me. Um, I've got uh, the Washington State University Bowl game this evening mm-hmm. that we will all get together and indulge in some libations, I'm sure. And um, Isn't that what this holiday time is about? Yeah, and then New Year's comes up. You know, some, sometimes I got some guys that I like to play in a band with and we're playing at a New Year's party, and so that'll be fun. Cool. My parents are coming to town tonight. And uh, we're going to go, I think we're going to go to the coast because there's like some sort of whale watching week going on. Oh, cool. So we're going to go out there. Do you know where, where, which There's city? multiple locations. They have like guides at certain parks set up for this week. Mm-hmm. And you can just go and bring binoculars and see if you can see them. Because I guess the whales are migrating. Well, there's a lot of breweries at the coast. At the moment. That is true. I don't know where we're going, but we'll uh, we'll see what, what pops up there. And then uh, got some other stuff going on with them. We're going to go try some restaurants I haven't been to before and stuff like that. So fun. Yeah. That's what New Year's is, is coming up for us. Hopefully you guys have a good New Year's and, and stay safe, of course. And, uh, if you drink a lot, you know, Uber or stay where you are, crash on the couch or the floor, <laughs> whatever, whatever Sleep works. in your car yeah, or sleep in your car Not with the keys and the ignition though. That's, Even if the car's not on, you can still get a Dewey. That sounds uncomfortable though. Oh, I've slept in, I, I've, I drive a pickup truck that I've been driving for almost 15 years. I'm, I'm pretty used to it. Yeah, I can't sleep in cars. I need a bed. And you have a luxury car, too. Well, not luxury. Luxury, but, okay. But your car's a lot nicer than mine. It is larger. Yeah, you're also a foot taller. So I am larger as well. Yeah. That's why I fit so comfortably in the car. <laughs> um, this week on the podcast, quality assurance. You texted me this yesterday when we were planning on what we were going to record, and you said, oh, let's do quality assurance. And I went, okay. And in my head, I went, I'm useless. I don't know anything about quality assurance. I don't know really what that means. So I think we did this in a different podcast, like maybe a two months ago where I went, I'm just going to ask questions mm-hmm. and you can be the star of the show for this podcast. Cause I don't really know what on earth quality assurance is. I mean, I understand what it is, but I don't under, I don't know what that means in the beer industry and what all the steps are. Well, keep this in mind. There's when it, when when I think of things like quality assurance, it, it goes on all sorts of levels. It's it's not just within the brewery; it's also in within the distribution side of it as well. It's in the buyers at shops and markets and grocery stores, and it's you as the consumer. You guys all play a part in this. If you, I do, yeah. If Mike, if you buy a beer and you drink it and you like it, and you go buy another one. You just did some quality assurance. Well, no, I just tasted the beer. That you're still checking its quality. Shouldn't that okay, but shouldn't that be done beforehand then? Shouldn't shouldn't the product that I am consuming be quality assured enough that I'm not a part of that process? Very much so. Yes. But you're a part of your own process, is what I'm saying. I don't mean to get all grandiose and hippie talk here, <laughs> but I mean you've got you've got that power yourself, you as the consumer. If you drink a beer and you don't care for it, you have just decided that this does not pass quality assurance for me. Like, and here's another example. But that, in, but that's not necessarily fair because 
maybe it's just the beer I don't love. It doesn't mean the beer is bad or poor quality, but it's just for me not good. But I think there's still aspects of it. I think as as your palate grows, as you drink more and more beer and you get more attuned to the styles you like, you're going to know what's good and what's not good. And I still think that's part of quality assurance. I guess, okay, I can see that. I for, guess that's true. For an example, I I was, I was left my mother's house on Christmas night. I drove back to my house. Realized on my way home, crap, I don't have any beer. Stopped at the Plaid Pantry by my house. Plaid Pantries go through a lot of beer. So you would think, you know, the shelves are continuously stocked. I usually do this, but I didn't this time. You know, being an IPA drinker, I usually date check stuff. Mm-hmm. I lift up under the can. If, it, if it's cans, I look under the cans and I see when was this package? Because they'll usually say. I did not because it was Christmas. I just needed to pick up some beer, went home. It's a beer that I love, love, love. Flipped it upside down, realized when I got home, it said October 3rd. This is December 25th. Right. Like we're almost, this beer is almost three months old. And that is no bueno in hoppy beer. However, I opened it, I tasted it, and it wasn't bad. I was really worried because I love this beer, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, man, I don't want to drink this and have this bad reputation taste in my mouth, and I got lucky. But but that's how I do quality assurance as a customer, as a consumer. That's interesting because I've always wondered because... I'm, like we talked about a couple episodes ago, I'm more of a bottle than a can guy, and I'll get one of those cases, you know, that has like a sample pack or whatever, mm-hmm. and they usually put the little sticker of when this was packaged on top, and whenever I get it, it's almost always two or three months older than when I buy it. Yeah. Almost always. And it's at a supermarket, so I understand, like, mm-hmm. they've got a lot of inventory, and they, you know, beer, those cases don't fly off the shelves necessarily, because they're bigger and they're expensive, more expensive. So I get it, and it's never affected the beer to me. I've never noticed a difference. I just remember being surprised when I saw the date. It was like, for example, it, it said like October 21st, and I bought it December 21st, and it's like, huh, does that mean it's still good? And it's like, yeah, it's fine, but it might not be the freshest. But now that's well, where- Definitely not the freshest. Now that's where the buyer comes in, in quality assurance. And we can backtrack this all we want if we want to go all the way back to the beer process. Sure, let's do it that way. Um, so you're talking the buyer of the actual stores. The, the buyer for the stores, yes. Their job, what their job should be, and and I think it's a little more specific towards hoppy beers, um, just because hops have the, the shorter shelf life in terms of deterioration. And I think it, it's up to that buyer to keep things as fresh as possible if things aren't moving stop ordering it you know if tried you know you're in your relationships with your distributors your dates of delivery you know looking at how much you sell as opposed to how often you get orders you know we deal with this when the in the pubs in our in for for my job is that we have to make sure that all of our hoppy beers on draft fit a certain date range because we want to give the the public the most fresh beer that we can so we know we have taught ourselves okay we go through x amount of this ipa a week so i need to make sure i only order this much if i go on a run i'll maybe take an extra one but i don't want to just say oh give me you know 15 kegs of this when i know i'm only going to go through 10 Mm -hmm. and i think that is something that you know grocery stores are a little tougher because the market I, i think is a little more a little more widespread, a little and more it all seems over the place. Sporadic, because yeah. someone will go in and get something different than than that same person did a week before. But right? I would, but I would challenge buyers at grocery stores to have less inventory on stack on on, on in in house. And I don't mean diversity; like have 
all the different beers you want, but have less of those beers in-house to ensure that when they do move, you can get more. You're a grocery store. Most breweries make all their money in the world off selling beer in grocery stores. So you use that, and now you are playing a role in quality assurance. You are now making sure you can get the freshest beer in there and move it as quick as you can. Does that, you think, for them help their sales too? Because Or, or do, do you think most consumers don't really given us about what the data is on the bottle. I think it's column A, column B. Mm. I think there are a lot of consumers that that don't care what the date is or aren't aren't even aware to look for it or understand what, what that date can mean. Um, however, if you continue to go to, you know, grocery store A, B, or C and continue to buy beer that you're pleasant and happy with, you're just going to get more business. You're going to get repeat business. I live by New Seasons that I think they do a fantastic buying job. And just down the street is a Fred Meyer that is horrendous, you know, <laughs> and it's for those reasons. I think the the new seasons has actually a wider selection than the Fred Meyer, mm-hmm. but it's the one by my house does, too. But it's, they do a good job, but it's better. It's more attuned. It's fresher. And I think I mean, that's what helps those kind of craft supermarkets, if that's what you want to call them these days, um, that they I call them like. Fancy supermarkets, <laughs> upscale. <laughs> that they that they are a little more in they are a little more in the wheelhouse of people that are seeking craft items like beer, like us. Fine shopping, fine shopping. Ooh, I like that. Like fine dining. Yeah, yeah. Mm. You see what? But you see what I I'm mean? I'm sticking though? with that one. Yeah, yeah, I do. I see what you mean. And that's a good point because I will oftentimes now I've, I've got an Albertsons that's near my house. That's the place I normally go shop for regular stuff. Um, I mean, New Seasons is great, but holy hell, it's expensive. So. I will often choose to get my beer from New Seasons over Albertsons because I know they've got more options and it's usually better. Mm-hmm. Um, occasionally, I'll get a case from a new, from an Albertsons because it's easy. We're there. Just get a little twelve pack or something and it's fine. But I will often choose New Seasons more. So yeah, that is another part of that quality assurance circle because they did a better job or do a better job with their quality assurance and their dates. And without even realizing it, I knew it and contributed to that. Now to take the next step. I'm backwards. guessing distribution? Distribution. Now this now dis- yes. distribution is very similar to the buyer at at the store. However, the distribution has way more impact on the buyer. So I want to make sure I'm not making it sound like like you know, the buyers, you know, I challenge you buyers to do a better job. I don't I don't I think a lot of buyers in this town do a great job. But they need help from the distributor and it's the same aspect but on a much larger scale. You have to try to realize, try to find what's going to sell, what's going to move in the market, and not over overbuy your distribution allocation. If you buy X beer and you buy, I don't know, 60 kegs from a brewery, I'm just using a random number, okay. 60 kegs is a lot for some breweries, but you buy 60 kegs from a brewery and you're only able to move five a week, like that's not good math. That means you're holding on to that beer for even longer. You need to start, bro- they need to broker deals with breweries to say, hey, I can pick up from you once a week, twice a week. I mean, Melitas picks for, up from us sometimes four or five days a week, you know, and we're obviously larger, so I don't, that's that's maybe a bad example, but you, you, you need to know what's moving, what you can push, and then change that allocation to make sure you are still giving the consumers as fresh as you can. Now, maybe this is because we haven't done the distribution episode yet, but maybe it's a little teaser for that episode. I was always under the impression that the distributors only took what the breweries asked them to take, and then they distributed it. But well, they they have a say in how many 
kegs and or things that they get from a brewery? Well, kind of, kind of. I mean, it's it's a give and take relationship. It's it, it's a communicating relationship. I honestly thought it was literally a transportation relationship. Like I'm, you are going to transport my beer to said places. Here is the orders they asked for. Go. It is warehouse meets sales. So you have to balance the yes, the the transportation with also the demand because you you know a, distrib- a distribution company can't just walk into a place and say, you're taking this beer. And the place says, oh, dang, I don't want it, but I guess I have to take it because you told me. That's not how it works. The The buyer is still getting a demand from the distributor, has a demand from the distributor who has a demand from the brewery, but they play the middleman. So it's it's actually probably the, the tougher, one of the tougher jobs in this, in this path we're taking right now. Okay. Because you have to balance... You know, you have a brewery trying to give you this much, but you have a consumer trying to, or a, a buyer trying to take this much, and you have to find that happy balance. And I think it's the distributor that plays the most important aspect in the quality assurance part of fresh, good-tasting beer that makes it to your home. Okay. That's interesting. I would have never thought that they had as much of a role in this as the other steps that we've mentioned and going backwards into the breweries as well. I mean, they're, they're the main vehicle that gets the beer from the brewery to... Right. To, to your home. I guess, I guess I just don't fully understand yet, and I don't want to get too into it because I know we're going to do an episode on this eventually, so I don't mm-hmm. want to like waste that episode or spoil it. So I'll shelve it in my head. Cool. But I'm very confused. Okay. okay. And I guess that I, I guess my idea of distribution was very simple, and it's not very simple. Like Because you, you're, you're thinking like UPS. No, I'm thinking... Like UPS picks up a package and then drops it off where it's supposed to go. Basically. that's I guess that's what I was thinking. I mean, I you see like Columbia distribution trucks all over the place. Right. And I'm just assuming... Like the one I see constantly is there's always a Deschutes truck in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. It go, there's like four supermarkets in five minutes from my house. It's always there. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so Deschutes talked to Albertson's, Safeway, New Seasons, and the Whole Foods down the street... And they said, okay, we want this much. And then they put that onto their Columbia distribution truck, and the truck just goes. Yeah, but that truck isn't full of just Deschutes. That's just... But it's it's branded Deschutes. Of course, and they pay for that branding. Because <laughs> when the when the truck drives by, you're like, oh, there's a Deschutes truck. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, Mirapon does sound good right now. It's just a commercial. Blackie Porter. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, uh, but there's still, you know, but... And in that situation, yes, that truck is just taking the beer from place to place to place. But there was a rep that went in that talked with the buyer and they figured out how much they needed. And then they go back home to work and crunch numbers on a computer and it's a sales aspect and blah, blah, blah. And then it goes to a truck. Okay. Yeah. So we'll learn more about that in a a future episode. So let's take the next step back. So from distribution, it is next. You're basically back at the brewery. Yeah. Yeah. And there is that relationship between, you know, the brewery and the distributor and trying to get, you know, X amount to X amount need to want to, to, right. to have sort of but, thing. But in the brewery, but in what the are the brewery, quality assurance steps? Because I, in my mind, those are the most important quality assurance I steps. I would agree. The, these are the most important. I'm glad we kind of went backwards because this is where it comes in the most important. And this is how it affects probably the consumer the absolute most because it boils down to is your beer worth a damn or not? And this part is 
is basically walking through your steps of your entire brewing process and and continually testing it. This is where your chemists come in. This is where your water treatment comes in. This is where all these kind of steps take to kind of see, hey, how is this beer tasting at day one? How is this beer tasting at day two? When it's in the fermenter and it's about to go to the bright tank, is it ready to go to the bright tank? And when it's in the bright tank, we're taking samples of it to see, is this ready to be kegged off, packaged, whatever you need to do? And those are the most important steps, but they're also the most science steps, I would say. I kind of felt like those were just default. You did them. You had to. You well, know? you know, I, I don't I don't know how other breweries do it. You know, a lot of people do things differently, yet the same. Um, but, you know, I know for us, we're constantly testing a beer, you know, basically almost every day for any sort of, any sort of, you know, oxidation or signs of diacetyl coming in and things like that, trying to make sure that this beer is on the correct path to get to where we need it to be in the time we expect it to take. But, okay. And I, th- and I think most breweries do that. Right. And, you know, home brewers do that. Right. Is, is continually seeing, you know, do, you know, is this beer ready to be dry hopped? Is this, is this beer need to, need to ferment longer? You know, does it if, it, if it's a lager, does it need an extra day? Should we add an extra 10 days to it? So to me, that's the least confusing portion of this because it's like, yeah. Of course, breweries, they transfer the beer, multiple tanks. They're doing a ton of things with the beer. It's, it's they're more, always testing it. They're changing flavors. They're changing recipes. They have to make sure it's going out at quality. Well, and I think there's, I think it's it's the more logical side of things. It's, it's the more science-based. It's the more steps, execution, standard operating right. procedures. You have a list and you just follow them. Exactly. Um, and, you know, that that makes it easier, quote-unquote, Yet there's so much more at stake. Well, it, it's easier to understand, is what I'm saying, right? Because but the other, the other, so many more steps. Yeah, the other, the other steps have way more variables. I would say, in the sense of the steps it takes. You know, if I walk to a brewery and buy a beer to go from that brewery, I'm feeling better about buying that beer from them than the plaid pantry down the street, right? Um, just because you would think in house they can control it, because once it leaves house, you can't control. So that's when the more variables come into place. The, le- the less middlemen, the better the quality. Exactly. So if you, you know, can get and, it. And if you listen, if you listen, if you guys out there listen to the Berlick episode, and we we talked with Eldon a lot about self distribution, and I think deep down inside, there's a lot of people that like that self distribution because you stay in control of the product. And I mean, we talked about this that episode, but a lot of small breweries, and even, I mean, maybe even bigger breweries too, are starting to do that too because mm-hmm. they want that control. Yep. They don't want the middlemen. They don't want all the extra steps. Maybe it saves money too. It's because it's just them. I'm sure it does. But uh, we talked about that being, it's kind of like a growing sentiment that a lot more people want to do self distribution. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really interesting to me, all, all the steps. And it's the, it's funny that as we went backwards, I got, I, I understood it more and more. But I guess the one question that I think a lot of people are curious about, and I'm very curious about, is say, let's just say the date's not easily, easily accessible. You can't find it or whatever. Um, sometimes on bottles it's hard, it's not on a case, whatever. What can you look for in a beer that shows that it wasn't assured or quality assured correctly? Are there are there things if you like look at it before you you open it? Obviously in a can you can't see, but right. if it's a bottle that that say to you, ah, eh, maybe don't get that one. It's tough. It's kind of a crapshoot, to be honest. Because I mean, sometimes you'll find beer that has like the sediment on the bottom of mm-hmm. it, I tend to avoid those. Yeah. I don't know if that's good or bad. I just look at it and go, I don't want that. Depends on the style of the beer. Depends on the brewery. I mean, some beers will naturally have some sediment, you know. Um, 
some poorly made hazy IPAs will have sediment in the bottom, whether it's yeast falling to the bottom or something like that, or hop some hop matter in some some IPAs that are heavily hopped. Uh, I'm not too worried about that. To be honest, it's tough to say. There's, you know, if I if I pick up, you know, a, a heater Allen Pilsner and I look at it and it looks like yellow beer inside, I have to assume this is good. By the way, heater Allen makes a fantastic Pilsner. Um, so I just have to assume and you have to kind of take a risk, I guess. I did that in my week of beer. I didn't do a lot of crazy beer drinking. Mm-hmm. I tried heater Allen Pilsner for oh, the first time. There you go. I didn't even know that. Yeah. It's it was, great. It's funny. It's an about a pale beer. ale. Whoa. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, that was... That was it. Was really good. Yeah. The place I went didn't have a ton of crappier options, but they had that, and I was like, "Okay, yeah, let's go." But then you, the way you can quality assurance is you can buy from places that you know and trust. You know, like me personally, I don't shop for beer a lot at supermarkets or or at plaid pantries. It was Christmas night; I had to. No, nothing was open. Right. And so the places that I go, you know the. You know, and and the buyers for those places I have, you know, friend relationships with, you know, we talk beer all the time. And, and it's the one thing that they always say is, is, you know, I know this beer will be really popular, but I'm going to buy, you know, but I'm only going to buy four cases. I know I can move six, but I might move those last two cases, you know, within the next three weeks. And I'm trying to rotate through beer. Those are the t- those are the type of places I tend to, to buy from. And that's how I can kind of control that. Well, I, and I at least at least the distribution right, right. aspect of it. You know, if 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 a brewery fails in making a beer, that, you know, that that's on the brewery's fault. And I did. I, I mean, I talked about this ad nauseum, but I always I, I'm a, I'm I live in the burbs. I don't have a lot of options, so I, I constantly get beer at supermarkets. But since we started this podcast and we've done some of the bottle, we did the bottle shop episode, and we've gone different places and gotten beer from different places. I actually have made a point to if I get the chance. I will purchase beer from a place that I trust more mm-hmm. than the Albertsons down the street for me. And that's how you can that's how you can play a part in ensuring quality for yourself. Yeah, exactly. Anything because, because those guys care just as much as we do. Anything else before we uh, wrap this sucker up? Uh no, I think I think it's also, you know, one thing that's 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 really fun that that we do that I know a lot of other people do uh is is also testing your own product. You know, I don't I don't want to pull the curtain back too far, but, you know, taking taking beer from batches and, you know, letting it, you know, letting it sit for a little bit and seeing, you know, and tasting it at X day and then X day and then X day even further and kind of getting an idea. I think I think it's very important and I hope breweries do this and I, I I'm pretty sure I can blanket say I know more breweries should be doing this, but try tasting your beer the way we as the consumer have to taste it. Because for the most part, most most breweries in town that are worth a damn, their beer out the gates is going to be great. Of course. You know? But there's a lot of times that that beer is not going to get to my fridge and my belly for, you know, 50, 55, 60 days. So maybe take a stab at it and hold on to some and take a peek and see, hey, how is this tasting? Is the consumer getting the product we want? Because if not, then we should try to take steps to ensure its longevity. Because once it leaves the brewery, it's a crapshoot. Now it's out of your hands. But you can still take those steps by trying to see what the consumer is getting from your stuff. Call to action. Do it. Do it. Yeah. Listen to Patrick. He knows what he's talking about. Kind of. Not really. Yes, he does. Always. (laughs) All right. So that's quality assurance. If 
I found that really fascinating because it's, it's something that the consumer doesn't really think about ever. They're just mm-hmm. like, oh, beer on the shelf, cool. It, I think it's just attention to detail. It's attention to detail to its absolute finest. And and I'm going to harp on this last this last subject that I just said again. It is so important, I think, for breweries out there to understand what we, the consumer, are drinking. Not You don't have to cater to us necessarily. I'm not saying that. But it is smart because there are beers that I've had at, you know, 10 days that I thought were phenomenal and at 35 were drain pours. And it's like, we don't want that. I don't want that for you. You don't want that for you as well. Again, yeah, <laughs> call to action. But seriously, I, I thought this was fascinating. Hopefully you guys out there who don't know much about this world thought it was really interesting too. It's a lot of steps that are that, that's in the process of you getting your beer at the end place, no matter where that is, depending on where on the line you got your beer as well. And maybe we can, in the future, come back to this from the brewery side, and I'll reach out to a friend, and we can like get some real science stuff. Like oh, I'll yeah. sit on the corner with you of just asking questions and not knowing anything. I'm down with that, for <laughs> sure. Uh, let's, let's get to our beer of the week next. I'm not sure what we're doing. You brought it in today, and yep. it's a surprise. And uh, that is next here on Bears and Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. It is time for Beer of the Week here on Beers and Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. I see the beer in front of me. I have never heard of the brewery. I have never seen this can before, and that is very exciting. It is Revision Brewing, Revision IPA, Reimagined India Pale Ale is what it says on the front. It says RB, and it looks like it's in a hop field. That's the logo. And uh, this is not from Portland, is it? No, sir. This is from Sparks, Nevada. That is a great town name. That is, oh, there's a map on the side of it. It's basically right outside of Reno. Right next to Reno. I've never been up there before. I've only been to Vegas when I've gone to Nevada. I know there's not a lot to do in Nevada outside of Vegas and I guess Reno, but hey, maybe Lake Tahoe, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So let's let's do this. I don't, what am I expecting? I'm assuming you've had this beer before then? I am. Um, you can expect. I am. <laughs> <laughs> I have. Uh, <laughs> I will say this. You can expect great things. Um, this is a beer that I've had many, many times. And it is probably one of my top five favorite IPAs rolling through the market right now. Wow. Is, um, it, I'm a, is this a classic? Because it looks like it's their brand IPA. It's their house IPA. How um, old are these guys? It, Revision, I want to say they've been around for a year, year and a half. Oh, so they're new. Yeah, they're newer. Um, but the story of Revision, the head brewmaster from Revision, his name is escaping me, uh, came from Knee Deep in California. Okay. He's famous for the IPA Breaking Bud. Okay. Um, which uh, has garnered a lot of attention and a lot of medals, including some GABF stuff. Uh, and he left that burrito open revision. And this house IPA, I think, is fantastic. It did well at the World Beer Cup last year, two years ago, I don't remember. And um, I just really, really enjoy this beer. And what's funny is revision has been a very kind of exciting, sought-after brewery in the market right now. Because most of their stuff are hazy IPAs. Interesting. Most of their stuff are hazy IPAs. They dub- opened with the boom of the hazies. Yep. Yeah. And they they put out, I want to say, you know, two different hazies a month on the market. Wow. And they'll revisit some of them, and they've been really, really popular. 
Okay. You know, this amongst, one is not hazy. Amongst the hazy crown, I can see through this. one. Yeah, and you know, and you know, their style of hazies aren't 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 my style of hazies. But from people I know that love hazies, they seem to gaga for. Do you them. have a style of hazies, Patrick? Uh, and, and if I do, I'm just a homer. So, <laughs> uh, but uh, but I'm always talking to people. I'm like, yes, yes, the hazies they make. Yes, people like them. Blah blah blah. But this house IPA is just fantastic. It's West Coast at its finest. That was going to be my first thought. So I took a smell. I took a sip instantly i was like yep west coast ipa right here it's not quite as bitter right as west coast ipas generally are but i got the hop smell immediately and all the way through it is hop 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 very you know, piney a, yeah i got some pine there's a little bit of like a citrus kick in it but it's not overly citrusy yeah and i wouldn't say tropical by any means no i, I read the can so i'm, I'm not going to pretend like I, I would know this but it says simcoe hops are one of the main hops in this in this beer, if not the only hop in this beer. So, because I'm, I'm trying to learn the flavors of the hops, mm-hmm. like I think I can point out mosaics. I've talked about that before, but I can't with the other ones yet. I guess citra, eh, yeah, citrus, yeah, it's easy. Citrus, pretty straightforward. Um, but if this is Simcoe hops, I think I'll be able to tell what Simcoe hops taste like now in the future. This is so distinct mm-hmm. in the hop flavor. Simcoe's a big one. Simcoe's a big one for me. Um, in, in my palate, it is, you know, when, in joking with some of the brewers that I work with, um, you know, Simcoe can be a little polarizing, uh, at least, at least for the group that I run with. Uh, but for me, I really like this hop. It, it leaves a very like kind of bite finish with me. Um, you know, not, not, not an overly bitter by any means, but it, it, it has a very lingering, almost slick hop character to me that, kind of hangs out and i really dig it as as that guy that loves that finish that back end this is one of one of i'd you know i'd put it in the top five top six hops for me the well i mean that's a lot that's a lot of hops there's there. a lot of hops out there <laughs> well man. i know but i mean the, i can name seven hops that start with a c right no now. no i know but there's there's so many that are like common that are used in a lot of beers right you say like top five six i'm like oh so like the top five six hops that are used commonly in beers <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't say i'm that way mosaic but... centennial citrus and go, <laughs> then, you know on and on i did see el dorado the other the other day Amarillo. I, saw, I saw it on a can i was like we had el dorado on this podcast once and i was like i don't know what that is yeah that I'm might all... have been a bear like we had el dorado yeah maybe i'm i'm all about the uh i'm all about the like racal waimea waitiki what? Yeah, exactly. Bless you. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, those are those are the Southern Hemisphere lovers. Doing this, the second sip. Yeah, it is pine. I am like, hi. Mm-hmm. That tastes like a tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a lot of pine early in the front end. I get a lot of pine in the middle, and then the back end. I kind of see what you're saying with the bite. It, it's a little bit less distinctive to me. It almost. I, I guess in my palate, I almost was like, oh, I, I get a little bit of the malt at the back end. A little bit of a balance yep. because it's not super bitter. But then at the very end, like what's sitting on my palate, excuse me, I do get a little bit of that hop flavor. This is really solid. This is and it's not it's not like hard to drink. It's just simple, smooth. This is IPAs five years ago. I don't know why they say reimagined IPA because it's just like a West Coast IPA to me. But. Because people aren't making, you know, West Coast IPAs like we did five years ago. So it's not reimagined. It's back to the future or whatever. <laughs> that is a great idea. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's why I like it because it reminds me, you know, I think, you know, I think, and and I've probably said this on this podcast many, many times, but once we got past the space race, the hop wars of everybody trying to, you know, be as bitter and hoppy as possible, 
we started really dialing in the balance. And I would say that about, yeah, four or five years ago was when the, the market, the scene on a whole really started to focus on balance. And this reminds me of those beers. And that, yeah. and that was, you know, again, IPAs aren't going anywhere. They're not going to die. They're not going to slowly fade away. But four or five years ago, in my opinion, was the peak of IPAs uh, in the Northwest and the, and the West Coast in general was everyone was pushing themselves to make a balanced beer. And this reminds me of those times. It does. And I, I think me saying I, I kind of get the malt balance in the back is that right yep, there. Because that's it right there. You don't want it to be just huh, hops, West Coast IPA necessarily. I mean, sometimes you do. That's not mm-hmm. bad. I, I do enjoy those too. Um, in fact, I remember we had, oh, I can't remember the brewery. Ex Novo? Was it the 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 Cerveza beer for Cerveza? Was that Ex Novo? Um, I don't know. Remember, it was in a can. It had the Cerveza logo. Oh on yeah, it. yeah, yeah! Bang the drum. That was so old school West Coast IPA. Yeah. It was like I, I liked it. Don't get me wrong, uh-huh. but it was bitter. Yeah. And this is not that. This is very balanced. It is easy drinking, but you still get that hop flavor without the bitterness punch. Yeah, like I would say that beer was more of like a 10-year right. ago IPA to right. where this reminds me of a five-year ago IPA. And it's, and you know, you know, being being a, a baseball fan, you know, it, it's not uncommon for me to be curmudgeon and stuck in my ways and things like that. And with a lot of... Not just with baseball. And with a lot of trends, you know, coming around when it comes to how we use hops these days... Um, it is very nice and refreshing to be able to have this option on the market. And guess what? If you look under the can, it says December 13th. It says, don't kill my high. December 13th. <laughs> yep. This beer is 15 days old. Probably peaking. That's a good wheelhouse right there. Probably peaking right as it's right at its spot. Because there is one thing about hops, you know, as we were talking quality assurance earlier, is, you know, hops can take a little bit to kind of flourish, you know, when the beer is fresh, it, it tastes great, but you hit that like day 10, day 15 mark, and sometimes that beer is just like, bam, what's up? We are here to play. Very opposite of when we do the fresh hop stuff in, in August. Right, yeah, you want the opposite. Yeah, you want you're that, like, yeah. day two. Yeah, day two, I love it. Yeah, I love it. I just, I want the grass, man. Day minus one. <laughs> I want I want that grass flavor. Yeah, yeah. to where a lot of, at least for my palate, you know, and I, th- I think there's a lot of hop heads out there that would agree, you know, like one of my favorite beers all time is Wanderlust. Give me a wanderlust to day 10 and I'm a happy kid. And I'm drinking this revision at 15 days and I'm a very, very happy kid right now. Well, there you go. There's our beer of the week this week. It is the revision IPA from Revision Brewing in Sparks, Nevada. Reimagined IPA, which is wrong. It's just a good <laughs> old fashioned IPA, I suppose. How we used to do it back in the day. I'm assuming you found this where? I picked it up at Vesa. You picked it up at Vesa? At Sarah Vesa. Um, I'm assuming you can find this at bottle shops because I. I have not seen this, but I also don't necessarily look very hard. And 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 if you, that would be an easy beer for a local drinker to to pass over. It's going to be a can you've never seen. You you know, revision says big on it, you know, but if you've never heard is. of it, you'd probably just glance over it without yep. even realizing you're glancing over it. Yep. But if if you like hazies, you know, I I I've had a couple from them that I enjoyed. Um, they make a lot of different ones. Uh, check check them out because you know I, I have friends that love them. I I can't guarantee if they're good or not. I'm just saying, check them out if you fellow like. hazy friends enjoy them. Right. That's our beer of the week this week. 
Thanks so much for listening. That's going to be it for the podcast this week as well. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for sticking with us, uh, even though we posted this a day late this week. We should be back to normal moving forward. Holidays will be over. Weeks will be back to fairly regular schedules for us getting in on Thursdays at 4 o'clock. Not 100% sure next week. We're going to try to do the Southwest Washington episode very soon. Could be next week. Could be two weeks from then. Uh, We want to go to 5440 as a location one. We're still working on Block 15. And don't forget, we have that potential event coming up in the month of January, which we'll tell you more about when we have more details with us and you if you'd like to show up and uh, enjoy some beer with us. So that's all still to come the next month or so. Remember, rate, comment, comment, subscribe, words, where you find the podcast. Anything helps us. We really, really appreciate it. And uh, let us know on social media what you're thinking and what what you're reacting to with the podcast. At Mike Lynch 27 on Twitter. At P. Diddy. 085 on Instagram. We'll see you next week. Deuces.